Hello, welcome to IMPO, or In No Particular Order, for long. Your best choice in finding the best new album releases of the week, and I'm your host, Kane Wilkinson, and thank you for listening. This week we have quite a few albums to talk about, and just like a good plate of nachos, there is a lot of different ingredients and styles involved. Uh, we've got metal, we got folk, some noise rock, and you better believe we have some indie in there for you as well. In case you haven't already, uh, this is probably important, you got to follow Dusty Organ on all the best social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all of them at Dusty Organ. Facebook's at Dusty Organ Music. Um, one or maybe even two of you listening might be following IMPO on the separate social accounts, but uh, I think I'm actually just going to keep everything together on Dusty Organ, so make sure you switch over and you're following those accounts instead. Plus, if you're a Spotify user, like myself, you can find us on there as well. Each month, I'm going to be putting together a playlist composed of all the music found on the blog, some stuff for my email, and, well, anything else I kind of like during the past 30, 31 days, of whichever month you find it. Uh, it's a great summary of everything I end up covering with some bonus tracks. So if you're a fan of any of the music that you find on the website, then I would definitely, definitely recommend following us on Spotify. Who needs a fancy algorithm when you've got your best musical friend right here? Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's get to this week's episode. And uh, But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of In No Particular Order is brought to you by Loose Leaf Tea, the sissy alternative for people with a caffeine addiction. Best enjoyed with two hands. Having a band remain anonymous is not a revolutionary thing by any means. You got Daft Punk, Dead Mouse, even Marshmallow. Uh, even in the world of metal, there's also bands like Slipknot and more famously Ghost who have claimed fame behind masks. But that being said, there is still something kind of captivating and exciting about bands that exist to the listener solely as a musical entity. There's no names, no external paradigms, just the music. And the lack of distractions tends to heighten the intensity of the music, I find it similar to a sensory deprivation. Combine all of that with the dizzying genre-crossing music of Sleep Token, and you've got yourself one hell of an interesting music act. So since announcing themselves to the music world back in 2017, Sleep Token are loyal worshippers to a deity referred to as Sleep. Although, according to them, there is no real translation. Okay, a little weird, but I'm following. Led by vocalist Vessel, who dons a mask that looks like if Guy Fox had lived in the lost city of Atlantis, Sleep Token rejects the concepts of influence of genres, and they recorded in an interview saying, Life is dark, life is bright, life is ugly, life is beautiful. Don't get lost in genres. They'll only disorient you. Music is for everyone. Okay. But for those of us who enjoy having some form of classification, Sleep Token makes together progressive, technical metal, and there's even a bit of indie electronic ambience to it. So on their debut full-length album, Sundowning, which is the one I will be talking about, it becomes a lot easier to understand. Some tracks hit hard and heavy like progressive metal should, such as Gods and the opening track, The Night Does Not Belong to God, while others build and reconstruct themselves into different shapes and sounds. It feels weird to say this, but the album shares some similarities to bands such as Bear's Den, Manchester Orchestra, Perfect Circle, and newer era Bring Me the Horizon. After listening to Offerings, which swings into the extremely soft Levitate, you quickly realize that it's both a confusing and captivating album 
So those references make sense. As well, in this ever-growing musical landscape, it kind of questions what it means to be a metal band, making the case for it becoming more of an aesthetic and theme rather than a specific sound. And Sundowning has the maturity and roundness of an album that was put out by a veteran band as a way to push themselves into a different direction, even though it's just a debut. So unlike a lot of metal bands, uh, this album ditches the double bass pedal efforts, dropped guitar chords, you know, most metal songs, and instead replaces it with resonating synthesizer chords and soft, clean, yet powerful vocals. The pop forward hits Sugar and Take Aim are great examples of that, and whoever lives behind the mask of Vessel has an amazing voice that continues the theme of juxtaposition. It can be distant and fragile or upfront and aggressive whenever necessary. And Sundowning is a phenomenal listen overall, and the 12-track effort makes it easy to enjoy as background music or more closely as an experimental metal album. And even if you don't buy into the whole anonymous mask-wearing aesthetic crap of a band, there is something to be respected about releasing an album that is not structured based on singles and hits, like they tend to be nowadays, but rather on its unity and ability to surprise, entertain, and encourage plenty of replays. For the guy who leads one of Canada's longest-serving alternative rock bands, the Born Ruffians, Luke Lalone has somehow kept out of the spotlight as a solo artist. His 2012 solo debut, I'm going to butcher this, Rhythminals, found him exploring more of the electro-indie side of things and succeeding in the genre switch from folk rock. Fast forward seven years later, and his sophomore solo effort, Perpetual Optimist, sees Lalone returning to the more folk-heavy indie rock sound he is best known for with the Born Ruffians. And as the lead songwriter for the band, it's refreshing to hear a more intimate and exclusive musical perspective. Ahead of the release, Lalonde shared a letter that he wrote that provides a window into his thought process and creative inspiration for the album, and I just want to share that with you. I was moving back to Toronto from New York, and I found myself pulling into a cemetery. I just sort of ended up there. I frequently end up in cemeteries, where I'll sit parked in my car or on a bench to jot some ideas down. Lyrics, poems, drawings, surrounded by strangers in the dirt. I move a lot. When I was a kid, my grandfather Charlie would bring me to one cemetery in particular, where he used to work as a teenager. I think it made him feel young. It reminded him of a carefree time. As counterintuitive as that may seem on the surface, it actually makes a lot of sense. You're younger than pretty much anyone in there, and all of them are about as carefree as you can get. He would go and chat with the groundskeepers, drive around the plots, and he'd point out all the people he knew who were buried there. Charlie and June were my mother's parents. Their lives are marked with more death than most would be able to handle. He and June are buried there now. Now that I'm older, I travel a lot. In Germany, I saw row upon row of tombstone after tombstone marked with the same date of death. Reading the same date over and over can move you to tears. In some places, there will just be a building stocked with innumerable small compartments. Thousands of names on silver placards much like a post office. Except instead of holding people's flyers and junk mail, they have your mom or your Uncle Terry. One of those had a nice koi pond outside. Call me old-fashioned, but I still prefer a big park filled with coffins, at least aesthetically speaking. Recently, I've been worrying a lot. I think a lot of people have. 
There's a lot of bad things happening out there. I worry mostly about the planet and the animals living on it. I worry that we humans, so prone to consume and destroy, do more evil than good. I think our planet is God and she is attempting to buck us off now. But I also worry about myself. I worry about the people I love and about innumerable inane things throughout my day that eclipse the fact that we're undergoing a mass extinction event. I don't know if we're equipped to comprehend an apocalypse that moves so slowly, or maybe we're all just wired with a firebrand optimism. So as I sit surrounded by decaying corpses and summer skies, waiting for a muse, I've realized that's what the record is about, more or less. I sense we're all bound for that eternal rest. My pen hovers above the page, and I think about humanity in the 21st century, suspended on a wire in a hurricane. So with that letter in mind, Perpetual Optimist sounds exactly how you would expect. Sincere, nostalgic, homegrown, and, well, optimistic. Opening single, Waiting for the Light to Change, starts things off with a raspy, gritty production quality, but softened up with Lalone's familiar howl and melancholy lyrics. The album plays through so smoothly, helping the listener get lost amongst the music, and the second track, Punchy, is a beautiful instrumental track that tethers into the lead single, Perpetual Optimist. And from that opening note, escaping from Lalone's voice, is the, to the final chord, the song is everything a Born Ruffians fan wants and expects from the singer-songwriter. It hooks you in and takes you along for a sing-along journey. Plus, there is a wicked guitar solo that just takes a foot-stopping melody to another level. And when I use the word nostalgic, I also mean Lalone takes a page from the book of his musical ancestors, such as Bob Dylan and Chris Christopherson. Taking care to play with the origins of folk music from the 60s and 70s on tracks like Dusty Lime, Go Somewhere, and Not My Spiritual Guide. Of all the songs on the album that encapsulates the theme of remaining optimistic in these uncertain times, Two Minutes to Midnight takes the cake. It makes you want to dance, sing along, and frankly forget about the fact that we all die one day. Some of us in unfortunate ways. Two Minutes to Midnight boasts a ringing chorus of One day you're going to die because you just do over a foot-stomping harmonica melody and rock and roll energy. It's weird, it, it makes you want to dance, laugh, cry, and smell the roses in its brief two minutes existence. But Perpetual Optimist, the album is fun, meaningful, personal, and honestly some of Lolone's best and most confident work to date. He is definitely one of Canada's more underrated musicians and songwriters, but you know what, that might be for the best, meaning that those of us that know his work can enjoy its sincerity and organic nature. an album in as little as three days is nothing new to Chicago noise rock group Salvation. On their third album, Year of the Fly, the band hammered out the 10-track LP as a live recording, a similar tactic on their first two albums. But this time, they took some time afterwards to master it and add in some layers of sounds and other instruments. But naturally, in a genre built around the raw, harsh intensity of their instruments, the higher production quality is a very subtle detailing, probably to save your ears from exploding. The Chicago-based trio have a strong, no-hold-back philosophy with their music making, and the result is a hard-hitting noise rock album that welcomes comparison to the unpredictable aggression of 90s hardcore punk icons The Melvins, Husker Du, and Refused. But there's a bit of grunge-era sludge bass in there along the lines of Nirvana and Alice in Chains. That being said, opening track Slit My Throat sets the album in motion. Just 
as you would think with a title like that. There's a barreling entrance to it. And from there, most of the tracks kind of slide together, especially the title track, Year of the Fly and New Milk. But suddenly the momentum is swung in an opposing direction with the gentle piano track, Palinopsia. And it's following track, Failure. It's a nice acoustic song. And it's at this point in the album where the band showcases their ability to be articulate and deliberate with their words and sound rather than the raw metal of their music. But it's not easy to include over three minutes worth of soft acoustic songs on a noise album. And unfortunately, the returning track, Dark and Stormy, doesn't quite bring back the intensity as one would hope to see. So the closing tracks on the Year of the Fly kind of fall flat a little bit in regards to trying to return to their original sound, but are enjoyable nonetheless as more heavy-hitting grunge tracks, if you're a fan of that. Year of the Fly is an earful of a record, and its powerful beginnings make an enjoyable listen. Even though it struggles to maintain its intensity, losing its balance to trying to find new angles to share Salvation's loud, hard-hitting message. Before I bring everything to a close on this week's episode, I do want to share with you two more albums that I haven't had a chance to fully listen to everything, so I don't want to include them necessarily, but from what I've heard, uh, they have a lot of potential to be a really good album. And included in that is Black Letters, Still Is You. Uh, this is a young indie rock band from Bangalore, India. Their music, it's got a really nice sound. It's got a lot of psychedelic, electronic, and dream pop elements into this indie rock body. It's very easy listening. Um, there's a lot of sincerity to it, and a lot of the tracks are written about hitting your late 20s, which is something relatable to I'm sure, some of the listeners out there. Uh, as well, Coldplay released a new album this week. As well. It's actually a double album. Uh, part one is Sunrise, part two is Sunset. That's about 19 tracks long. Uh, I only had a chance to listen to about a handful of them. And honestly, I'll admit Milo's Alto was the last Coldplay album that I listened to. The last two, Ghost Stories and Head Full of Stars, kind of fell on deaf ears. Just wasn't impressed with their weird escaping to like modern technology and a lot of EDM energy to it. And they took a lot of risks with those albums. But fortunately, with uh, Everyday Life, they kind of returned back to a earlier sound, kind of more organic and kind of it highlights their strengths as a band. You know, it's, it's very nice to sit down and be able to listen to, you know, Chris Martin's voice without some chain smokers beat behind it. And the band's synergy that we all know and love, you know, with the echoing piano, steady percussion, and just space-filling bass, it, uh, it kind of comes through on some of their tracks, like Everyday Life, Orphans, um, even the song Daddy, which is a weird title to say out loud. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about is the length of the album might be one of its downsides. 19 tracks is kind of long. Well, actually 18, 19 in Japan. Um, but I have a feeling that some of them will be dragging down the, the album and serving just solely as album fillers. For now, you can find one or two of the songs from the album on dustyolive.com to listen to. Anyway, thank you for listening to this week's episode of In No Particular Order. As always, I hope you discovered at least one song or album or artist that you enjoyed and are new to. And don't forget to follow Dusty Organ on all of our lovely socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Spotify. And head to DustyOrgan.com for more on the albums I mentioned in today's episode. 
find links to their websites, some of their tracks, and more. So I'm not very good at goodbyes, so goodbye. Thank you. In No Particular Order was produced and created by Kane Wilkinson. It was written by Kane Wilkinson, and editing was done by the Raccoons of Toronto. Music was Sugar by Sleep Token, Perpetual Optimist by Luke Alone, Slip My Throat by Salvation, Everyday Life by Coldplay, and In My Senses by Black Letters. In No Particular Order is a Dusty Orchid production and is recorded in front of an overdue library book. So the guy who leads one of Canada's... God, this is stupid.